I'm Fathery. This is Dave. This is Starfleet Boy. And this is Text Trek. Engage. Welcome back aboard the Starship Texas for the 217th installment of the Text Trek podcast, the home of Star Trek fandom from deep in the heart of Texas, where we take a deep look at Star Trek old and new. And tonight we are talking about Star Trek Prodigy Season 1, Episode 14, Crossroads, written by Lisa Schultz Boyd and directed by Stephen Chang Ong and Sung Shin. And uh, yeah, so this is going to be tons of fun. We get the Murph in a new form. We get the return of the outrageous Okana. We get aggro Janeway going crazy, uh, coming after these kids, uh, being scary as hell. She said, uh, she said cri- cripple their ship. That's that was a little scary. Janeway. Yo, she'll, she'll you're play, just yeah. scared of her. Cause you like the kids, but if they were like, you know, Cardassians or something, you'd be like, yeah, Janeway. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's true. But they're not those Cardassians, but I think, well, we'll talk about this, but I want to know yeah. if something's going on with Janeway. What is she just pining for Chakotay? What's up? <laughs> well, uh, before we get into that, just a little bit of quick housekeeping. I want to give a, a special thank you to all of the text track Patreon supporters out there. Uh, that includes uh, you, Starfleet Boy, but also Kick is Eternal, Gay Clevin Lundstrom, Crazy Dutchy, Joanne Robertson, Quarksbar, and John Dawes, as well as our anonymous supporters. Thank you all so very much. And to uh, celebrate our Patreon supporters, we will be having our monthly watch party tomorrow. If you're checking this out live on Friday, then it'll be tomorrow. If you're listening to it later, it already happens. Sorry, so you're going to have to time travel to get there. But November 19th. <laughs> 3.30 p.m. Central, we'll be watching the Star Trek Discovery episode, Forget Me Not, from Season 3. That's where they visit the Trill homeworld. And I think it's a good Thanksgiving episode, because uh, yeah. Saru makes a nice uh, banquet meal for the crew oh, to yeah. boost morale. Or try Is that the one, though, morale. where the meal goes terrible because Detmer goes nuts? Yeah, which makes little... it even more accurate to like a family thing. <laughs> <A real family. laughs> Remember that time Detmer brought up Trump? um by the way you have some patrons in the audience nice to see those absolutely yeah it's like there the tomorrow's will be our little away team mission yeah (laughs) yeah that's when we uh we we beam down or take a shuttlecraft either way uh maybe we'll do half and half if we're the prodigy crew we we normally would be taking a shuttlecraft or just just landing the entire we'll just land the whole ship (laughs) which i like that they do that by the way I, i kind of it's sort of i've warmed to it it's a little weird but it's like these kids don't know Federation Starfleet procedure stuff. And I mean, it's... Star Trek four was such like a big deal for my childhood. I love Star Trek four so much. And it really made me want to have like a bird of prey type ship. Cause like that mm. one, like, Oh yeah. You'd actually like go park it on the planet you go to. You could like, and I kind of always wanted like Starfleet birds of prey, like that are like that size. Uh, yeah. which, you know, the defiant is a little too big for a runabout is a little too small for, but like the proto stars is like that Goldilocks ship. It's, it's perfect for that. 
And I'll say it actually does always look fantastic when it's parked on a, sh on a planet. You know, the, yeah. the visuals are great. And I think I could actually handle piloting that with just myself because, you know, I have hologram Janeway to help me. And possibly other holograms to help you. True, like yeah. And Rios so if, does. If I could own any, like, Star Trek starship, I think I would take the Protostar, honestly. As much as I love the Defiant, 100%. as much as I love the Enterprise, I think the, the Protostar is like the the perfect size for, for what I want. She's got the right lines. And it, plus it has a holodeck. So if you want to go play on like a different starship, oh you just gosh, go a, recreate it in the holodeck. Somewhere. Yeah, it's true. Park somewhere, put her on auto defense, auto alert. Janeway, take the con. <laughs> I'm going into the holodeck. <laughs> <laughs> plus it has the living construct so I could destroy Starfleet finally. Oh, oh sheesh. <laughs> I shouldn't That's have said right. that. Wow. <laughs> I, I, I'll tell you somewhere where we're, we're not going though. I got a little bit of news, some sad news is that Star Trek Mission Seattle is canceled. So, sorry, uh, uh, not happening. I'll be on the Star Trek cruise. I'll be at Star Trek Vegas next year. So, there's there's two events where uh, I'll I'll get out where people can can see me in person. But yeah, so, sorry that we're not going to do the uh do the Seattle con. Um we were so excited. I was so excited. Yeah, that's a bummer. Yeah, but you know what? STLV's in August, so it gives me a little time to uh, reconfigure or reticulate splines for those of you who used to play SimCity and uh, 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 just go for it. That's the con I'm more looking forward to. I I, I like Vegas more than I liked uh, what Reed Pop did in Chicago. And to be fair, like if I had to pick one of the Star Trek events I had planned on doing next year, of the three, if I had to pick one not to do it, would have been Seattle. But it sucks for people who aren't going to be able to travel to Vegas, uh, who would have gone to Seattle. So I definitely feel sorry for them. That sucks. But, you know, there's the TNG episode. We'll always have Paris. That's a good thing of, you know, creation doing a con every single year in Vegas. We'll always have we'll Vegas. Always have SCLV. <laughs> I mean, because like how long have they been doing it? Uh, quite a while. Like, like before it was at the years? Rio, they did it at the Hilton. Oh, right on. That's right. So, yeah. Uh, do you think they'll get their official status back? Not that it's important. Uh, Reed but... Pop would still have the license unless there's some unless there's like some type of contractual arrangement where they you know they lose it if they don't do if they go like a year without doing a convention or something like that. Maybe maybe it reverts back, but uh, it there's it's not going to like automatically like go to creation and make Vegas the official con. So as as far yeah, as that's but... concerned, like there is no official Star Trek con in. Uh, North America, or I guess even in Europe next year. But you know, Europe has FedCon. It's unofficial. Vegas is unofficial, but they both get like a lot of Star Trek actors. Uh, so I encourage people to you know check those out if you're looking for a convention to go to. All that being said, though, I think uh, that's all the uh, the housekeeping. So let's just go ahead and uh, talk about Crossroads. I want to recap it real quick by reading the official synopsis, and I'll kind of expand on that with spoilers. But the official synopsis reads. When the crew attempts to secure transport to the Federation, they unwittingly cross paths with the Vice Admiral who is hunting them. Which I don't know why they're they're playing it coy in the synopsis. We've seen Janeway hunting them for the, the last few episodes. But yes, Vice Admiral Janeway cross, crosses paths with our young heroes. It does not go well, and they end up uh, chasing uh, the Protostar into the neutral zone. And we end with a uh, Romulan cliffhanger. Always nice to see those warbirds out there. Yeah, the uh, the D. Deridex. Mm -hmm. uh, classic design, I guess, at this point. I wish they were the Valdar, but I like the d I do, too. Awesome. I, I I would have liked the Valdor, but I are guess those the Valdor, more, the more Are those those smaller ones? No, the, well, they're yeah, they're a little small. smaller, but they're, they're the ones are from they? Nemesis. Oh, okay. They don't have the underwing. Yeah, it's, it's like, like if, a... you, if you cut the d Deridex in half, like, horizontally. It's, so it's closer to a classic uh, classic bird of prey? <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. And I love that too, but uh, but yeah, there's something about the uh, those um, the Dideritics that uh, it's, it's special to me. <laughs> I thought it was too big. 
but that's just me. I mean, you know, it's got that same slightly oversized obnoxiousness of uh, Picard shit. That I, I thought the Galaxy was. class. I don't. I don't. I don't like the Galaxy class. I think it's too big too. Yeah, I know. We've had we've had this discussion, but it's a dope ass design. Both designed by uh, number one Trump fan Andy Probert. <laughs> oh, I forgot about that. Well, <laughs> one forgets. <laughs> but, uh, enough about all that. Sorry. So, Hell, would you like to uh, to go first and just kind of tell us your opening statement, your broad impressions on this episode, Crossroads? Hella fun, man. I mean, I just like think this was such a good uh, chase episode like a, a what would you call it like a caper i don't know like you know like in terms of like i would call it like a stuff. yeah like a, a high-speed chase or pursuit yeah like a high-speed chase and it's like a, yeah like a I car really, chase but a starship chase yeah, i really enjoyed it i liked the whole thing uh it, it really touched me emotionally but it also thrilled me i thought that the action was just done really well obviously delightful to see okana again and also just like cool to see him aged and like different you know like he's not quite the dash he's still handsome silver fox um, okana <laughs> yeah he's silver yeah. fox okana now but he's definitely still handsome he's not he's not the young kind of like heartthrob that we met in tng so it's going to be interesting to see him in this phase of his life and uh no it's just uh like the whole sequence on the uh base was awesome i i just have a lot to say about this episode but overall prodigy keeps delivering just really great fun episodes they're really these two animated shows uh star trek animated shows are really surprising me i didn't have low expectations but they're exceeding my already high expectations so it's pretty awesome right on dave what about you what do you think of crossroads you know i gave it uh, two watches and the first watch i was kind of disappointed you know i, I was really kind of rooting for okana to get a uh, glow up uh i guess i'd say um uh, because uh, I can't say I was ever a fan of his first appearance, but I like the idea of a Han Solo dude occasionally bumping into the uh, Enterprise and other Federation ships. And I and I kind of thought, you know, we get some kind of interesting rethink, and instead he's just still feels a little Han Solo light. I, you know, I, I know we've got some more time with him, so I'm not making too many judgments, but I was a little disappointed in that. And then I thought there were some contrivances in the episodes to keep Janeway and the kids at odds, you know, like when Murph accidentally butt-launched a photo, photon torpedo at them. That said, <laughs> I watched it a second time, and I found a whole... I, I still had those criticisms, but uh, I found a whole lot more that I liked in it. I, I actually thought the kids had a good baseline plan to, to, you know, leave the proto star sort of in hiding and just get in touch with the Starfleet other, you know, by, by whatever other means they could find. Uh, I really liked the Depot uh, as a location and the planet looked great. There was like, so Hale said, great chase. And I liked all the kind of the, even if it was a little contrived, I did like all the meetings of the uh, Dauntless's crew uh, with, with the kids, you know, all the sort of little one-on-ones and, arguments and help you know sometimes they'd be help them out a little bit and you know it, it was it was cool to see and i do like those romulan warburns so um i'm gonna say that i was like mildly disappointed maybe in the whole episode but i had a lot of good times along the way that's that's where i land cool for me i had an utter blast from beginning to end with this episode it's one of the prodigy episodes i've enjoyed the most and i've liked the show from day one uh, I thought they actually did a good job addressing all the obvious stuff, like, you know, why don't they just drop off the ship somewhere and try to go talk to Starfleet and something like that? Uh, I, I think it definitely does really lean into the, maybe maybe a trope of, uh, you know, it's all just like a big misunderstanding and like, why don't these people just actually, you know, take the time to talk or whatever. But I felt that it was believable enough. And more importantly, I was having so much fun with each development that I, I was just buying it. And, you know, I've also, like, I've read enough 
superhero comics where yeah like whenever characters meet for the first time they always like disagree over something dumb and fight each other and then you get like a cool action sequence of them fighting each other and then eventually they team up to fight a bad guy which is what i'm sure will be the case here but i, I like seeing that applied to star trek uh david mack did it in that star trek discovery novel where we see pike and giorgio go up against each other so for me it was a, a ton of fun i loved seeing more of the dauntless and the dauntless crew and kind of seeing you know instead of just a, a, a quick little brief scene with them we kind of get to follow them on their mission for the entire episode uh, in addition to following the proto star kids uh so that the dauntless is growing on me i i used to think i i, I didn't like this design but it, it's it's grown on me it's cool you know it's a fast ship i love the the dauntless bridge that they they took from the the voyager dauntless that was the fake starfleet ship the in the action in particular was really great i, I loved the chase it did feel like it borrowed a lot from the other star franchise, but it's okay to do that every now and then. Uh, the, the show continues to feel more like familiar Star Trek as they get closer to the Federation. You know, now we're getting people like Okana, who we've seen before pop up, or we're getting uh, Romulans and Zindi. There is some Zindi from Enterprise and whatnot. There was a freaking Kazon. <laughs> I think, yeah. right? Wasn't that a yeah, Kazon? We, yeah, we had seen him in Prodigy before, though. He, it was he the same dude. He sold the Cation kitty oh, into slavery. Yeah. That's the uh, dude. That oh, he needs to get punched. Okay, sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry to interrupt, Go ahead. <laughs> Yes, Go ahead. I didn't realize. But, but what, it was, what I was saying is that I like that Star Trek is such a large sandbox that we can explore like these different you know corners and, and some more strange and unusual than others. But I, I think most people would agree that like the core of Star Trek takes place, you know, at a certain time period and in a certain place. I mean, it's cool, you know, to see stuff like Discovery that's in the 32nd century or cool to see, you know, Enterprise, which is 100 years before the original series or cool to, you know, see Voyager on the other side of the galaxy. But more often than not, Star Trek takes place within about a 150 year time period from 2252 to 2402 in, in or near the Federation. So it's cool to see Prodigy slowly becoming more familiar as it would probably be teaching and showing Star Trek to a, a new audience. It's kind of the the objective of the show is to be the the entry point to Star Trek. So I think that it's cool that by the time that, you know, we do get into like the core of the Federation or, you know, whatever they're building up to, I think that the the young audience watching Star Trek for the first time will be perfectly introduced to the universe. So it's exciting to to see the show uh, continue to, to do that. I definitely think that there there were some contrivances in order to, to maintain the conflict, but, you know, they, they didn't really bother me. And, and Dave, uh, one thing that, I learned from you that you you point out a lot in in movies and stuff that I I really like the example that you give is when things don't work out well for your heroes. In fact, it's better like when things work out like worst way possible. The example that I've heard you give a lot is uh, Indiana Jones in Raiders of the Lost Ark. You know, with the with the tank and then uh, the the chase in, in that movie, and then you know everything that could possibly go wrong for Indy goes wrong. And that's how I felt when Murph hit the launch torpedo button on accident. <laughs> I was just like, Jesus Christ, like, how, like this is just going, it could not possibly be worse. So I, for me, you know, it made things more, more interesting, more exciting and uh, more dangerous. Well, it just parallel, it nicely paralleled the first adventure when Murph landed on the panel and launched. Yeah. Which is oh. why I think Murph is destined to be the tactical officer. I think yeah, he's, he's going to be the one who's, uh, who's shooting and fighting. And I mentioned that last week with the, shows writer aaron walkie on board if you missed it go check out last week I, we had aaron I didn't here. miss that episode but i missed being on that episode. oh man that, that was so was much fun, fun episode, was yeah. great. but when i when i brought that up he said well it does help that murph is indestructible so i think i'm on to something 
Um, you know, Father, I was thinking part of, I think, why I uh, had a little I don't know, whiplash with some of the contrivances in this episode was that a surprisingly amount of the time the show will sort of subvert my expectations. You know, we talked about how uh, Gwen didn't lose her memory for very long. It didn't take like the whole season to come back or Janeway and her crew have essentially caught up with the kids pretty quickly once they are on their trail. Um, and so now we move to something that's maybe a little bit more tropey in the kind of the misunderstanding phase. But like you, you mentioned this sort of classic superhero, they fight, then they team up thing. And I think if you allow yourself to kind of go with that flow, it can be very enjoyable. But you do have to – there's like a little bit of a mental switch you have to, I think, pull off. Uh, I did notice in the audience that uh, Joanne said uh, – had a good point. She said, um, I also found the failed communication attempts frustrating, but then I wondered if it might be an uh, object lesson about why trust and communication is important. So again, thinking of the newer viewers – Starfleet essentially is new to those viewers as it is to these kids, and and a little miscommunication um, maybe feels more like the way kids would communicate with authority figures uh, on that level. <laughs> as far as the kids go, I noted uh, that when they got together and they were kind of planning what's next, I love that scene. They were doing that typical Star Trek download, like, all right, what did you encounter? What did you encounter? Oh, okay, this, this. Let's ma it makes sense now. Wait, I thought you said the diviner was out of the pic. You know, like all these like. They're getting together and communicating in like a good way. They're productive. They're plan. You know, it it felt really good and like it felt like a difference from how they were in the beginning of the season. Uh, and I'll just say, even though I'm not used to Leggy Murph yet, one thing I did appreciate is that my friend's daughter said, "Oh, that's like when I was crawling and now I can walk." And I was like, "Oh, yeah, there it is." So yeah. like Murph, I think is since Murph relates so well to kids, I think Murph could be a great kind of like you know way to talk about development and growing and changes like what a dramatic change right that's kind of like what happens to us as we grow so right I yeah right. it's, a, it's a safe way to talk about puberty i guess yeah there you go <laughs> except uh but i like I when he was a pet uh, that's is gonna be my uh ongoing uh, issue there i was like oh, oh, i liked I him when he was the equivalent of a dog and now i'm thinking of him as a more sentient thing which is but that is actually a pretty classic sort of trek thing is to sort of realign one's thinking patterns and ask you to re recontextualize in a way that um you know mirrors how we should hopefully be able to recontextualize things in the real world well you can't just love them when they're cute puppies you gotta love them when they're when they grow up Boo. <laughs> nice <laughs> also right. I don't know, Dave, but uh, as far as I'm a cat cat owner mm -hmm. or a cat uh, person. I'm a cat guy. And, uh, yeah, cat guy. Look, see, I got this here. Those, those suckers are smart as A, as F. I think they're like, like they just can't like talk. And I think that's what Murph was. You he's going to be I mean? a smart like, cat. Yeah, exactly. So he's like, <laughs> he was like, he, we just don't understand. We didn't understand Murph. We might still not understand Murph, but I have a feeling he's going to start talking or they, I don't know. Uh, I, I wondered if Murph is like, is he taking on those humanoid figures because that's what he he's around or is that the standard development for his race? I'll be interested to see those questions answered. And what's the deal with the little floaty bit above his head? That's what I want to know. Oh, I don't know if I noticed that. Yeah, there's like a little floaty bit. Well, hell? we can talk more about Murph later sure, sure. Let's, let's yes 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 the, uh... sorry everyone's all like murph <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's let's start off with the beginning of the episode the uh the ditching of the proto star i i loved this because that's the thing that people were saying is like well you know if the the ship is the problem why don't they just park it somewhere and then go to the federation by some other means travel some other way and that's exactly what they do so that was you know right off the bat the episode started off well for me 
Uh, we got to see kind of what everyone's up to. Uh, Jenkum Pog's frustrated as an engineer. He can't figure out the, uh, the the construct weapon thing. Rock Talk taking care of little sick Murph. We don't know what's going on with them at the beginning of the episode. And then I liked Hollow Janeway, like her goodbye, where she's like, just think of it as see you later. And, you know, I'm sure y'all will come back and get me. And it'll be like no time has passed. There's kind of a fun payoff to that later. But you can see how they, they've built up a bond, too, at this point, yeah. you know, where Rock Talk gave her a hug. And, you know, it, it was still a goodbye with somebody they'd come to care about. Also, uh, I think you could hear Murph gurgle under the thing when she said, I can't wait to see what whatever like she said about Murph. Yeah, he's, uh, he's still listening. It's like a baby he's in a still... womb that's still like yeah. listening to what <laughs> what's going on. <laughs> they do cool stuff with scale in this episode with the protostar you know when we, we we open with gwen standing outside of the ship on the that ledge you kind of get a good sense of how big the protostar is and then mm-hmm. later you know when it shows you how small the protostar is compared to the dauntless i, I really love when they yeah good lord scale. that's a We'll talk about that more when it happens, but that was cool. Yeah. The Denoxy Depot, it definitely feels like, uh, they called it a haven for smugglers. It felt like, a, well, you know, we basically want to do a, a, a hive of, of scum and villainy, but we can't call it that, so we're going to call it a haven for smugglers instead. <laughs> uh, but th- this is but, where Okana should have, and I do kind of regret that we knew about this for so long that Okana was going to be in the show, but, uh, but here he is. I hope that we get to see uh, some fun stuff from him. I think they're saving some big stuff for the second part, because this is a two-part story, it would appear. Makes sense. They were just kind of skirting up against his his world a little bit. By the way, are mm-hmm. they in the Delta? No, I'm sorry, the Delta Quadrant? Well, uh, we had Aaron Welke on the show last week. and, and right, he's t- on the, they're on the edge of... Yeah, he, he, he told us exactly where... Well, not exactly, but very uh, narrow area where they are. And that they're kind of at the point where the Beta and Delta Quadrants meet. Mm-hmm. And there is there is a... a area near there where the federation and uh, romulan empire border each other uh so which it's not too terribly far away from where tars lamora is because tars lamora was always on the the closer side of the delta quadrant uh so they haven't traveled uh i guess too far over these 14 episodes but uh but but still like you know far enough they they basically started in like the same neighborhood where voyager would have would have ended up near ended uh, yeah where, where they were before they made that that last little trip home. The reason I asked is because uh, just because this is like, you know, that hive of scum and villainy, isolated place. But the Delta Quadrant, at least maybe in this area, isn't exactly like major shipping lanes, it seems like. This is still a little bit frontiersy, or at least close to the frontier. Uh, so, so yeah, you've got to kind of look for transportation where you can find it. And that's, you know, the Naxi Depot. Right, and th- that's where the uh, the Zindi security guards popped up, which we've never seen outside of Star Trek Enterprise. They've never been in anything, but I got a big smile on my face when I when I saw them. I was like, "Oh, I know them. They blew up Florida." <laughs> Th- they didn't. Well, we should be thankful. This. We should be thankful to the Zindi. <laughs> Yeah, right. actually, they go right through some of the bad parts, so it's great. Don't but they go uh, <laughs> right through where you are in Miami, though, isn't that? No, like it's Miami got spared. Miami's oh. too precious. But <laughs> Space Miami, remember? Like it's it's it, right. lots of tourists from all over the Alpha Quadrant come to Miami. So I'm pretty sure Miami is going to be underwater by the time we get to the 22nd century. So. No, remember they restored the the Earth to its pre like a more idyllic state. Right, right, yeah. Picard, yeah. Picard season two explained how yeah, we, yeah. Uh, we we. And Lewis, climate change. And Lewis, uh, you know, 
<laughs> his friend Lewis back at the uh, at the in Labar, you know, he's working on that huge terraforming pro- or whatever tectonic plate project or whatever. But but Father, that was so cool because one of the things about prequels that kind of sucks is that like if you introduce a cool new character, they don't exist later on. So if you're watching in like uh, continuity or- order, you're like, what the heck happened to the Zindi? Well. Now they're back, yeah. so it's cool. Like you have more stories. I mean, know, so. they could have always been around, and just like Rick Berman wanted to ignore them, like like Teller. Yeah, no, I know. But now we have a. It, this is just cool. I think you know, like to have to There's say, some oh, answer. Yeah. yeah, you like the Zindi? They yeah. show up again. Yeah. I, I have a question though, Fathery and Sohail. So I have yeah. not seen all of Enterprise. I know the Zindi had their uh, time, or what do you call it, temporal Cold War. But uh, I didn't under I never like saw enough to know uh, if they all came from the future, if some of them, the only the ones that were in the war did. Like, can you just give me a super quick primer on, on what none, the none of them are? came from the future? I think you're okay. confusing the Zindi with the Sulaban. Oh, yeah, yeah. So wait, so so where were the Zindi? What was their the deal? Zindi are in season three of Enterprise. They did a season long oh, arc. So- Ah. They they basically they nine eleven Earth they come and blow up Florida and then uh, Archer has to go into like this weird part of space full of religious zealots to uh, figure out who attacked them and stop the the bigger attack from coming and that's where the Zindi are a very uh, uh very strange uh, parallel with uh, real life events during the George W Bush administration. Yeah. What's cool about the Zindi, and I won't say too much more because we, well, I guess we're talking about the Zindi, but what's cool about them, it's it's a bunch of species. So there's like aquatics, there's like insectoids, which oh. you see here. There's uh, uh what are the other ones, Fathery? The uh, insectoids, the, uh, the for some reason, aquatics. sloths. There's Zindi sloths because Rick Berman and Brandon Braga thought that was a good <laughs> idea when they were like really burnt out from doing Star Trek for so long. How did how did they do all those special effects in one season? A bunch of different versions of them. That sounds tough on costuming and special effects departments. I mean, it's no different than you know, Deep Space Nine has you know Ferengi, Cardassians, and Klingons all running around oh at the my. same time. Sorry, I had to. a lot of those have to be based in pre-existing special effects. Anyway, I don't want to sidetrack too on, too much on them, but I appreciate the quick uh, update on them. Hey, Dave, could you put Dom Paris's uh, comment up? Sorry so, about the thank you, Dom. Uh, Shout go. out to Dom, by the way, uh, who. I think it's going to be there Sunday on uh, Trek Central, but primates, uh, arboreals, aquatics, reptilians, and insectoids are the species that make up this this group. And they're like, seriously, like, it felt, it was very interesting. Like, I I will say, I'd be curious to hear your thoughts when you get to that season. I think there's some really nice nuggets there. Yeah. By and large, I've heard seasons three and four are the... uh... Are, are are pretty notable seasons. Yeah, I I think season three doesn't quite work. I think it it falls apart in like the last uh, six or seven episodes. Um, I think that they they kind of like rushed to their ending, and then they had to like okay okay we have to like stall f- for a, a while before we can resolve anything, and it kind of loses the momentum. But yeah, in general, a lot of people if they like anything in Enterprise, they like seasons three and four. And I love season four. It's just the the other three I struggle with. It's a long road to get to that like ending of that arc, but it's <laughs> You know what I'm thinking. But it's pretty <laughs> Yeah, but it's pretty satisfying, I would say, for that season three arc. <laughs> but yeah, you have any other thoughts on just I guess the introduction to Denoxy Station and Okana's very brief appearance at the beginning of the episode. I I do expect him to have a bigger role. Uh, I do want to say week. that just just because it's we're starting to finally get some cooler temperatures for fall in in Texas and it's it's getting chilly yeah. out and so I'm as uh, enjoying the the snowy environment. I really do in almost any kind of sci-fi movies that engage in some kind of ice planet stuff. It's fun. Uh, and I thought it looked just spectacular. Um, 
you know, it's not a big place. It's not like a blow you away with, oh, look at the vast tapestry. It, it is a little sort of junky depot, but, you know, in Star Trek, with Star Trek's uh, team and the, the, you know, the designers on these, it still looks very cool. When they run into, they just, they literally almost kind of run into uh, Okana, right? And he he overhears him talking and he yeah, offers he, the ship. He... Because that was the thing. If you watch the outrageous Okana, like the only thing we really know about Okana is that like he's like really horny. Like, yeah. And he, he really he likes the ladies. Uh, he's very like uh, one note. Maybe he's more very... than just the ladies. I'm just saying. Uh, that's possible. They're, probably that's do. Possible, probably yeah. do a Captain Jack rethink. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. May, maybe maybe that'll be the modern take on Okana. Might not come up a ton on this cartoon. <laughs> <laughs> but at the time in, in season two of, of next generation you know gene roddenberry was at the the height of both his horniness and also having mini strokes <laughs> jesus oh gosh that combination does not sound like the height of anything like <laughs> i i i appreciate everything that roddenberry did uh you know flawed man but did some incredible great work changed all of our lives we wouldn't be here if not for him but yeah, sure. if you just keep those things in perspective, some of the creative choices make more sense in early next generation, which I think most of us agree early next generation, not the best of next generation. Sure. But but yeah, like th- that's the things like Okana, you know, like he's anytime there's like a a, a woman somewhere, he's just like, ooh, girl, where? Like he's just, you know, gets all excited or, you know, maybe he's like that with, with guys too. But yeah, like it's, they're walking around and like Gwen says something about like we need a ship and he's like, oh, do I hear a lady who needs a shit? So I was like, Okana, calm down. Like, I think she's underage. Like, you- well, you know what? I took it more as like almost that sort of obnoxious, nice guy. Oh yes, milady, kind of thing. Yeah, but she fell for it. She wanted to hear more. Yeah, he still has the charm. She's. Like, she I mean, he like- should. Even though I thought they portrayed it pretty clunkily on that original episode, I like the idea. You know, again, I like this con- sure. character concept. I'm, I'm sort of rooting for him. I want him to end up being a good character or a good scoundrel with the heart of gold or whatever he ends up being yeah it, obviously he was created to be a recurring character i think they wanted they wanted to make like a harry mud for the next generation i think but you know it's a guy who's who's a bit more heroic and more han yeah. solo ish sure now he's got a nice dad bod i don't know if that's right billy billy campbell the actor yeah yeah so thank you for for coming back and and you know doing star trek again after that you know that one off episode you did long ago and I, I just want to compliment him i was a huge fan of the rocketeer as a kid i i love yeah, that movie in the theater uh and i i loved it so much like i wouldn't shut up about that movie that my my granddad made me a little rocket pack he he like taped oh. two pringle cans on the back on the back Amazing. of a cornflake box and like made like these straps i'd like put it on like run around in the yard i i love that movie and and he is can we spectacular see a picture do you have a photo Father? Oh, this is before like this. this is before you took pictures of everything just have, you just had memories. Have to do just had memories back I, in those days. I'm gonna have to do an AI generated image of it. We'll recreate it on the holodeck. <laughs> on the holodeck. It's so, true. so the, the eye patch is new, right, for Okana? Yes, and actually, Dom's pointing out we saw it first on Lower Decks. I guess you don't what? watch that show. Yeah, it's <laughs> true. I shun it. O- Okana had a blink and you missed it appearance in season two of Lower Decks in the episode yeah. uh, "An Embarrassment of Duplers." He was DJing a party at a starbase. And uh, they gave him an eye patch there because this was already in development when they did that episode. And now that these showrunners are in communication with each other and they know what, what everyone's doing, they're able to line things up like that. So uh, that's, that's awesome. cool. It's something I think we're going to see more synchronicity like that in the various Star Trek shows going forward. That is uh, that is actually really cool. Even though Lower Deck sucks. No, I'm, just, wow. no, I'm just trolling. I'm just trolling. It's I know, but no one, no one understands sucks, that on the internet. <laughs> 
it's it's not <laughs> worth like the like the, the two seconds of a of a cheap joke because people, oh, people, sure people take it serious. No, uh, Father, you mentioned this last night, but uh, Dom is also pointing out that uh, this planet uh, reminded him of Rigel Ten from Enterprise's Broken uh, Bow. Yeah, that that first episode of Enterprise, they go to a kind of kind of shady outpost on a frozen world like this. I love that station too. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm an easy please with a a futuristic snowbound uh, you know a station like that. But I'm with you, Dave. I I enjoy the cold weather. What what little of it we get here in Texas, which is is nice. We don't have to deal with too much freezing temperatures. Uh, so as long as it's above freezing and under uh, 68 Fahrenheit, 20 Celsius, it's kind of like my ideal temperatures yeah i want it like above 32 but below 68 so yeah, uh, yeah it, it hit at a good time dom's asking what oh kind of smuggling and we ascertained that they're ferengi uh balls ferengi balls <laughs> i think they're ferengi uh computer technology things but yeah i'll we'll talk more about that in the gorn eggs yeah uh, but de- definitely Ferengi tech. But let's talk about the the Dauntless. We we see the uh, Diviner and Recovery. I guess doing physical therapy and sick bay. Also like some mental where's therapies. My, where's my progeny? <laughs> I love it. I love John Noble's like. <laughs> He's working with Ensign Asensia, who yeah. yeah seems very invested in his recovery. I was going to say maybe bonding a bit. Is there something like? Is there some manipulation going on? Do you think? Mm. She's also the one who said, "Hey, maybe if we give him that." fluid from his suit maybe that'll help him recover oh you know uh, at the time dr noam uh said something like oh you're all ideas or whatever yeah or, yeah he says uh, <laughs> i i wish i i knew how to kiss tail like you do yeah just um essentia <laughs> does seem like uh there she's she's maybe um she's exerting an influence on events like you would you, you would but uh, like in a way you would hope for having officers who you know uh, are kind of take initiative and you know help out a, a someone you're trying to help recover so although it does seem like there may be something going on i, I wouldn't say it's set in stone yet well we're, we're keeping our eyes on her it's right, sus. Right, it's yeah. very sus crossroads <laughs> are also where you make deals with the devil by the way just a reminder <laughs> oh not just choices but sometimes a deal with the devil that's a good one i didn't even yeah, i'm gonna keep that. i'm gonna keep watch true. on it mm-hmm his memory does seem to be coming back. He remembered uh, that catchphrase that he had previously, that there is no barrier I cannot overcome or that we cannot overcome. Uh, he, he said that a lot to his daughter previously. And then he remembers her name, Gwendala. So yeah. he might be he might be recovering from his Medusa attack. Medusin. Or, yeah, Medusin. Not, not Medusa. That's enough. I've, I've been playing God of War, so uh, mythological entities are, are on the front of my mind at the moment. But yeah, the Dauntless goes off to Denoxy Depot also because that's where Barnas Frex is. So this all kind of made sense. Oh yeah, the Protostar is just near Barnas Frex. So it kind of makes sense that Frex and the Protostar kids are both at the same depot. So I, I bought that. Uh, Frex is also, he's a big weasel man. I, I, I actually, I'm like, how did this guy get in Starfleet? He's, I, like yeah. that he, I like that he kind of sucks as a Starfleet officer. Though. <laughs> that, that makes sense like why he was assigned to that <laughs> shitty outpost. You know what? Even even an outpost can be can get a good posting, but yeah, I guess so. I would love to see him show up in lower decks. Like maybe see him like I don't know, kind of be a, a shitty Starfleet officer in lower decks and get assigned. <laughs> yeah, to that I like that idea. Something. That would be so that would be fun, a good use. Since lower decks takes place just a couple of years before Prodigy, it would actually line up really well. Oh, Father, you you're pulling up the image of the Dauntless crew beaming down, and man, they're they're like cold weather. Uniforms look so cool. I have a 23rd century version of that. I should have worn that today. Oh. Oh, yeah. 
You know what seems weird to me is that uh, Essencia has those fingerless gloves when she's just like on the Dauntless on the ship, mm. uh, which seems a bit strange. That is a little odd. Gwen has fingerless gloves like that too. So I, yeah, maybe I, don't, just know, an I don't know if there's like a, a glove connection, but. <gasps> Interesting. I don't know if there is a glove connection. But look, they all have fingerless gloves now. Uh, you're right. That is yeah. the case for a number Starfleet of them. Never I guess Starfleet never in invented touch. Uh technology in your gloves like we have today like you can use an iphone with gloves today because they have like a little kind of uh, element in the gloves that mm, reacts yeah. with the screens but but you know i liked i just like seeing the dauntless the, the kind of the whole away team you know a, a the, the the core group of four down there uh the the, the classic starfleet uniforms look cool and uh, they got both uh what respect a little bit of uh, fear from the klingon that uh they run into and oh yes Asensia is able to uh you know scare off a klingon he see he looks at there's actually a close-up of like the starfleet com badge he like looks at that and he's like oh i'm not gonna i'm not gonna get in a fight with starfleet but i guess this klingon is kind of a uh, kind of shitty he's gonna he tried to trade something with with gwen uh, i guess he he was gonna offer transport but he wanted her heirloom i guess he saw it might be a valuable weapon yeah he was oh, about, maybe he i'll was, just take it from you he was clearly about to steal it yeah uh, going back for a second, uh, the Jenkum Pog scene and Rock scenes broke my heart. I felt really <laughs> sad for them. Yeah, Kaisis just ignores this little girl, Brakar, who I know is like a giant rock monster, but she, I don't know, like, you'd think like he might like have taken some interest in in her, you know, asking for uh, for help or something, but he just walks past. The Starfleet crew is definitely not, you know, what I want them to be right now. <laughs> Right. I think well, the kiddos are a better example right now. <laughs> kind of true. You know, did uh, did the doctor when he was kind of talking trash to uh, Jankum? Now was that Tellarite friendliness? Yeah, that that was straight up. I think just standard Tellarite interaction because Jankum Pog kind of leans into it too. He goes he from uh, he goes from like, oh, I am so excited to meet a fellow Tellarite, and then he, and then he follows it up with like, I'm not impressed. Yeah, but he does go, I think, a little too far. Uh, the doctor when he uh starts talking about the Pog name and like I don't know. For yeah. me, it went too far. Maybe it's not. Well, actually, Jankum didn't like it either. He got really. This was upset. his comeuppance, like, though. He's been Jankum's been an asshole the last couple. Yeah, of he, episodes. I like, guess he like, has. Oh, I am a Tellerite. We're <laughs> we're royalty. I'm I'm a founding member species of the Federation. And he's, here, a, he's a little. He's. Yeah, I don't know what age he's supposed to be in human years. What, Sixteen. Is he like? Okay, 16. He's a 16-year-old kid. He wants he's desperate for some finding a place in the world for some approval. You know, it fits that he might glom on to to that as as his thing. It's not something monstrous. He's still a kid. <laughs> I also think that here, you know, if you're looking for prompts uh from the episode to of things you could talk about with your kids, like it is an interesting example of bullying, right? An adult bullying a kid. So that might be an interesting thing that you could use from this episode to talk about with the younger audience that watches. The most it. exciting thing in that scene to me was that we got an explanation for why is Jankum so short. Oh yeah. And we're told that he's a, he's a runt. That's why his yeah. name is well, Pog. Well, his, whoever, whatever like subspecies he is, that's how they are. The Pogs are all kind of like that, I guess. It's an interesting thing. Cause like Tellarites are becoming one of the most diverse species in Star Trek in terms of, appearance anyways that's true 
If only because the special effects guys aren't real <laughs> consistent. <laughs> yeah. So we it, still haven't been to Teller Prime. So hopefully someday one show will take. Yeah, us we need to see that. And I think maybe the whole Teller system might be populated, and maybe Jenkum's people come from a certain place. I forget why Jenkum doesn't know much about Tellerites, though. Is it because he was too young when he got? brought over to Tars Lamora or something else? They haven't really harped on it much, but we got a quick explanation uh, in, I guess, the fourth episode when they go to the uh, the murder world or murder planet, whatever they called mm-hmm. it, but the, uh, oh. the the Herosian planet. That's right, when we're seeing a little bit of their past, right? He he says that uh, he, he references the Teller sleeper ship, so that's how he got out in the Delta Quadrant. They might have launched, uh, you know, pre-warp, could have been he could actually be hundreds of years old you know he might have been out on a sleeper <laughs> ship for years oh, and that's years wild yeah jenkins an old man <laughs> i know in terms of uh years one last thing before we move on from jenkum father when he screams i love the editing and like the production where his scream turned into the screech of a speeder um oh like it, that that smash transi- cut from him yelling yeah, the, to the ex- yeah, exterior of the base yeah, and it showed like a speeder go by with a scream as well. That's right? cool. Yeah. I, I like yeah, I like seeing him get all pissy like that when the the, yeah. the <laughs> passerby was like, "What's wrong, little guy? Did you lose your mommy?" <laughs> True <laughs> insult. That was pretty funny. True it was pretty funny. He's like, yeah. he was frustrated. He was, he was about sure. to spill the beans. The doctor no, He's about to tell him like, "Look, we have this ship, but you have to stay away from it. There's a weapon on it." And, but then he got like so pissed off, of like, "Wait, wait a minute! Did you call me a popper?" <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, his, he he fell into his frustrations and was unable to explain the situation, which unfortunately all these conversations go like that. I I get like uh, Gwen running away from Asensia. I kind of bought into that because you know she's freaked out that not only is Starfleet here, but like oh they they have her dad with them and, and he's influencing them and now they're biased towards him oh it's so scary i don't know what's gonna happen <laughs> but the one that I enjoyed the most was just the the Janeway in in. Dow one i i like that uh you know when i was watching it it was it was funny as i was watching the scene i knew it, this conversation wasn't going to work out well because you know we had seen like the clip of like them chasing the protostar everything so i'm watching this uh kind of like on the edge of my seat like oh no i want this to go well and i know it's not going to and just you know that nervousness is kind of waiting for it to all fall apart uh but i liked the dialogue i love the way they frame the scene uh in the beginning where both of them have their backs to each other and uh dal hears her hears janeway yeah, the, uh, the voice he knows con- from the ship the voice he knows and then he turns around and like he's so starstruck and so nervous and so like he wants to tell her everything he knows her it's a weird thing like he it would be weird it would be tough. yeah it's kind of like a fan meeting a, a person they've seen on tv right because oh, janeway yeah. hollow yeah you know hollow yeah. janeway is a version of this person and a very good version, mind you. <laughs> so it's like she even says, if you're in a jam, look me up. Look up, you know, the, the real me. Like, Which I thought was know, a good like, idea. Yeah, mm-hmm. I thought that was cool. And and so this scene, I, I, I actually consider this a perfect scene in Star Trek. I'm going to just say that. Okay. Like. <laughs> and, and how beautiful is that line from, from Janeway? A fear of yeah. failure has killed more dreams than anything else. Yeah, that was... Oh. She was a little snappish at first, I thought, but like, admittedly, this she's on what she considers a really serious mission, and basically sees a little kid who's just like, "Hey, could I join Starfleet?" Is what how she's interpreting it. Yeah, and and yeah. like then, but then like the kind of warmer side of her does come out, and even though she's got to kind of snap back to duty in a minute, 
uh, she she tries to like give him some real advice when she's got a moment, and it's oh, <laughs> got chills. Sorry, I love that scene. Love it. Love it. Poor Dell, though. It Poor Dell. That had I to be know. tough. But then he like sneaks in that little. Uh, what if they had no good intention? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. He, he tried to he tried to sell it. Uh, he he read the room. He's like, okay, Janeway's not buying it. I'm gonna panic yeah. and run away. But I like that. Like Janeway even says to Frex, like, you forgot to mention they were kids. Yeah. Also, <laughs> yeah. this is cool. Tysis says Tysis looks over at um, the doctor uh, when they're describing the other the other people. Like there was a I I forget what when they were Frex saying, is like, like going through the list. Like oh, there is a Bracar, yeah, yeah. there was a slimy uh, one, uh, some yeah, someone we've never seen yeah, yeah. before. Uh, this there was this one crafty little tramp with a creepy dingle dingle <laughs> on the back of his head. <laughs> I was like, Jane was like, wait a minute, I just saw a, a creepy dingle dingle. <laughs> <laughs> which i think is really cool because it's important for these guys to realize maybe later this this star this actual starfleet crew that maybe they've lost a little bit of their focus because janeway herself is a little too fixated on like the fate of chakotay rather than you know trying to like, like i know she's i would do the same thing like i'm not trying to criticize that she is losing focus like if fathery we were lost in the delta quadrant i would like be like yeah we got to find him at all costs like, I'm you coming know, for we're, you, <laughs> yeah, we're coming for you fathery so i get i get it but it is interesting that they're not seeing things that they normally would because starfleet crews are usually very good at sleuthing stuff out and they're very inquisitive and like you know they're they're like their primary mode is to listen and like observe, you know, they have a lot of like procedures that are not, that are kind of being skipped maybe and shortcut. I don't here. really know if that's true though. Like I kind of don't, they have gotten very little information. Like I, I think sometimes when people are like watching shows and movies, you kind oh, of, we're using our own, yeah, like you, you our kind own, of forget like, how ignorant, yeah. you know, the characters are. Like, yeah. It's a good point. Whenever you're watching a scary movie and you see someone like hear like a strange noise and go investigate the, you know, what's going on in the basement. And people are like, no, don't go in there. You're going to die. It's like that person doesn't know they're in a horror movie, right? They're just like, oh, that's yeah. Like and I'm probably making noise. up a perfect Starfleet crew from like all of Star Trek. Like there's probably not there's probably like a lot of uh, specific kind of uh, instances where uh, many others fail. So, yeah, I agree with that. <laughs> the show does paint with with sort of broad strokes. And I think we are supposed to see that, you know, real Janeway is a little bit off her game here because. Uh, you know, not not like wildly off, but she's, you know, very focused on a friend, um, you know, like a, a really deep yeah. and trusted. She's friend. like when when Kirk when Kirk wanted to go get Spock out of the out of the radiation chamber in the Wrath of Khan and, and Scotty has to stop him. He's like, you, you can't do that. You can't go in there. You'll flood the whole compartment. Right. Yeah. Right. She's in a bit of a panic. She's like, can I get to this guy? Is he OK? You know, it's yeah. like still she even, I don't even know where he she is. Everybody's she even okay. says like Chakotay could be his fate could be worse than being you know imprisoned. Uh, he could be dead. Yeah, so all, she's all they like, know is really, like the diviner is like, yeah. oh yeah, I think I saw that guy being imprisoned. <laughs> I think I imprisoned that guy. Yeah, he didn't. He didn't remember <laughs> that part. <He> didn't... <laughs> <laughs> well, do you want to talk about the uh, the chase? Sure. Yeah. It it was very Star Warsy. That uh, vehicle that they're on, kind of like an opened air land speeder, is what they would call it in that other Star franchise. Uh, yeah. But uh, you know, it was it was fun. It was something that would be hard to do in a live action show. You know, movies would have like the budget where they could do this, but you know, in animation, that's one of the freedoms you have is you do these more elaborate action sequences like this. Right. Would this be considered like a skiff type 
type vest, like a skip skiff type uh, vehicle. Uh, there's not really a common term for it in oh, Star okay. Trek. I just like a like a hover hover ground vehicle. We've seen stuff that hovers, you know, we've seen sort of little hover platforms and stuff, but I don't know that we've seen much in the way of vehicles. But, it, you know, yeah. what it reminds me that, you know, this is, I think, a little bit of the influence of the Kelvin universe, that kind of more action oriented stuff that does have, frankly, some Star Wars influence. That's that we know that that was JJ's thing. Yeah, we know. He said it a hundred times and they're promoting Star Trek 09. He would always be like, I never cared about Star Trek as a kid. I always liked Star Wars more. Eh, at least he was honest. It's weird that he would sabotage his own production like that, though. I think he was just trying to be honest, I guess. But <laughs> anyway, but so so all that said, I think it's a pretty cool chase sequence. It's uh, it's a lot of fun. You know, these 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 are also these are youthful kids, and they need to have some actiony moments that uh, aren't just you know like a phaser, but you know another phaser battle or something like that. And so you know, this is the equivalent of like almost like the kids on bikes in ET or anything else like that, where they're just trying to get away from the ba- from the agents, the cops, or whatever who don't know what the deal is. Uh, by the way, Dave, I only said that to use the word sabotage. I really don't think that he did that. <laughs> it's just like to say it like William Shatner. Right. I like that they had the uh, the actual beam phasers. Uh, Me too. Of, oh, the like, Zindi security dudes. Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I'm a fan of the beams over pulses. I mean, I like they the are pulses. my favorites. Absolutely. I mean, the the Wrath of Khan made the the pulses cool, but yeah, beams are better. Yeah, those were like beam pulses, though. It's like pulsy beams yeah they kind of work <laughs> both worlds yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh how long was okana like hiding in the the trunk of that vehicle <laughs> how long has okana been hiding his whole life <laughs> that's like that's the real <laughs> question security guards or someone else <laughs> someone he's I mean, always that was, hiding. that's another thing in the outrageous okana though is like multiple parties were chasing after this dude it's true I, I liked that little moment of bonding between him and Jenk and Pog when he's like, hey, we can use this illegal, you know, fuel boost thing, uh, this Nas. And uh, Jenkins like, this guy knows what he's talking about. Yeah, the the chlorine tri- trifluoride, which I think is something from real life rocket fuel. Oh, uh, oh OK. In, in Star Trek, it's illegal in most parts of the galaxy. <laughs> and they just destroyed the ozone layer of this planet. <laughs> But no, I think I think that actually is like very, uh, very toxic for the environment. So it makes sense for it to be outlawed in the future. But yeah, that was cool to see them Dukes of Hazard it across the, <laughs> the, the canyon. Yeah. And it's funny when they get back to the ship and Hollow Janeway is like, like, oh, my goodness, you finally made it back. How long were you gone? And they're like, <laughs> yeah, we've only been gone for like 45 minutes. Like we, like we literally just left. Yeah, it's the good. same episode, Janeway. It's still the same episode. <laughs> Uh, by the way, this is a small thing, but when they shut her down before, I like that she closed her eyes as if she was going to sleep uh, when they first shut her down. That was yeah, just a nice Maybe she touch. wanted to power down. Like, that was the thing. The doctor and <laughs> she's Voyager. Like that. She's like, I just need a little break. <laughs> a nanosecond. The Voyager doctor had the ability to turn his program on and off. He would complain if people would, like, come into sickbay, activate him, and then not deactivate him before they left. And he's like, I just have to, like, stand in here and not do anything till till someone comes back to deactivate me, so... Yeah, maybe she she was ready for a nap. Mama's just resting her eyes. <laughs> I would be cool if they uh they give uh, Janeway the ability to uh activate or deactivate um herself yeah. in the future. Uh, I agree. That'd be nice. The image of the protostar rising from the thing, and it's very cool, very cool image. You know, big shocker for Janeway and crew, but also it just looks dope. <laughs> yeah, and again, they play around with the scale there. You see, real Admiral Janeway standing in the snow, seeing this. This big proto starship rise from from underground in front of her, 
It was kind of a cool moment too when when Dal was like, "Oh, check it out, Okana. Like, look, here's my ship. You're trying to show us that piece of shit you <laughs> fly around in, but yeah, check out this thing." <laughs> so it's like a cool introduction of, for Okana to the to the Proto Star. Then yeah, we get like this amazing shot of Admiral Janeway looking up at it, and then her tenacity and determination when she's just coldly like, "Dauntless, beam us up." And then you see her ship dwarf <laughs> the Proto Star. Like as as much bigger as the Proto Star is to her. Her ship, the Dauntless, is like that much bigger to the Protostar. Just dwarfs it. And then you see mm-hmm. Hollow Janeway on board the Protostar <laughs> being dwarfed by this gigantic Dauntless ship out the window. So yeah, I, lo- I loved awesome. all of that stuff. Yeah, and the way you described it made it even more thrilling. I Does like Hollow that. Janeway <laughs> say something like, she's like, is she like, what did you do? Or something like that. To yeah, she's like, oh, you're you're running after the real version of me. And you think about like how confident Janeway is. So yeah. like this creation of Janeway is like, you're running from the real me in this slipstream powered ship. You know, good luck with that. <laughs> the the other cool thing, uh, I think uh, I saw a post. I realized that it was very similar. There were a couple things similar. And I, if you're going to talk about this in the Gorneg, stop me, fathery. But I love that um, the scene of the protostar rising out of the snow kind of paralleled um, the scene of the protostar rising. And uh, what was the robot guy's name? uh uh dreadnought was like kind of framed in the same way that janeway was so yeah it's it kind of like mirrored that and then the other thing is like dal originally when he was trying to escape he was on some kind of like you know vehicle like a a hauling type of vehicle or like a utility vehicle and trying to escape with that and this time he actually makes the jump whereas before he didn't make the jump so i like those little kind of nods to the you know those little parallels to the beginning of the season that is cool. cool Yeah, he just needed some chlorine trifluoride. In that first <laughs> that's what he, he needed to escape get... Tars Lamora. Kids gotta break the law sometimes. That's what that's what the lesson is. But more of what I was saying about like when everything just like goes completely wrong for your heroes and they get like even more obstacles to overcome and you kind of have like that escalation of the stakes. You know, this is this is of of course the time when Murph chooses to hatch. I, mm-hmm. I don't know if Murph had much say so on when that happens, but it, <laughs> he he does emerge in his new his new shape with his little floaty bit above his head which is kind of weird what what do y'all think of the new murph i really love the old murph so i'm kind of still he's growing on me i can't i he's cute or like you know i mean he's he's not like oh my gosh murph turned into a slime worm i didn't think that is what was he like a uh what's his species again melanoid slime worms yeah so he doesn't look wormy to me but i think that um there's something i think he can I don't know. It's very interesting. He's still cute. He's just not the Murph that I, you know, was let I Hashtag started out with. not my Murph. Is that what I'm hearing? <laughs> no, I mean, not yet. Not my Murph yet. Uh, okay. It, it's like when Groot, when Groot became a teenager. I'm like, I don't right know on. if I like this reckless new Groot. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, I, I was really starting to get attached to the previous uh, form of Murph. Uh, I, I sometimes like I have a hard time like connecting with like cutesy stuff in media when it's you know made to be cute. Uh, I, I I do sometimes like I'm not like immune to that, but sometimes it's, I kind of struggle with it. And Dave, I've I've heard you talk about this before, but you know like whenever you're watching something and you know you're clearly supposed to feel like a certain emotion and you're just not you're just not feeling it, then you're just not feeling it, and it, it kind of sucks when that happens. It makes it hard right. to enjoy whatever. But I had I, I had kind of grown to love murph and i had kind of made up my mind recently like you know what like i i do like murph he has this cute little thing and and i i think he's adorable and i love him and so yeah now now he has changed and it's going to be a period of adjustment i i don't think this is as cute but i also think that uh we're going to see more and more 
of transformation of Murph changing yeah i think, right. he's, I right. think he, he's at least like physically he'll probably change the most of all these characters yeah i, agree. I don't want to um yeah i don't want to judge too much just based on okay his previous version was cuter which it objectively was <laughs> but like i kind of need to see where they're going with it right. and i have some pretty decent faith in these writers uh i noticed in the comments that uh, geek filter asked why he needed to become bipedal Maybe we'll find that out. I was wondering if it's just because that's what he's around. Uh, he, yeah. if he's go essentially becoming oh. a teenager type form like they are. Uh, yeah, he's, he's just trying. Yeah, he's just going to look humanoid because he's around a bunch of humanoid creatures. Right. Like maybe he could have turned into anything else uh, too. He could have been like they were spider people. He would have become like a spider. Oh, so if he was hanging around like the Q continuum, would he have turned into uh, a god <gasps> like them? <laughs> oh. I don't know about that, but. Uh... <laughs> By the way, can you can you highlight Dan's earlier comment, which is why does Murph have a thirty second century body part? Which is oh, it's like I a detached really, in a cell on Discovery. A yeah. a cell oh, on Discovery. yeah, I, I, I missed that, that comment too. Yeah, that's, that's hilarious, cool. Dan. Yeah, okay. <laughs> but, yeah, this is this is Murph's butt makes things get even more <laughs> again worse when he sits on the console and fires the torpedo. And that's I like I said something out loud. I think I said like damn or something like when this happened. Just, <laughs> like knowing how much worse this is gonna like this is gonna piss off Janeway even more. She's gonna be like, okay, I feel like I did the same thing. They're they're flying around the stolen ship. We don't know if Chakotay's alive or dead. They're not answering the hills and now they're shooting at us. Like I, I I have no choice. I have to disable this ship immediately. <laughs> the part where they, they get hailed and and doll has to be lazy, like just like do not answer that is it just a good reminder of you know this strange precariousness they're in where almost any interaction between the protostar and anything federation could be the end of it so that's yeah, a hell of a weapon that they uh they yeah. installed on there and it's it's it kind of makes the diviner seem cool that even though he's in his defeated and weakened state he was so on top of his shit earlier that they're 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 still struggling to get around, uh, you know, the the weapon that he put in play. Mm -hmm. One of the things I love about the show is like seeing these characters. Like one wonders how are they going to grow. I love that Dal was like pretty good in command in this episode. Like, yeah, it's true. you know, he had like he was listening. He like he was like Mister Pog, right? Didn't he say something like that? Or you know, like he was. I don't know. He's like, when can we have our? You know, like. Our, he's come a long way. Yeah, he's come a long People way. People hated him this it. first few episodes. Everyone, I didn't like yeah, Dal. Everyone you know was that like, much. Oh, he's yeah. obnoxious. <laughs> what does he think he gets to be in command? Yeah, pe people were really frustrated with him. So he, he's yeah. definitely grown a lot. Agreed. Did they nerf Murph? <laughs> <laughs> that is our, our in the viewer comments. <laughs> yeah, Dan, Dan Cooper is asking, did they nerf Murph? Well, Janeway nerfs the Protostar. So I, yeah. I don't, yeah. with that, that third nacelle being destroyed, I guess we should just assume that their proto drive is out of operation from, I, like, are they going to be able to repair that? I thought the kids were going to activate the proto drive and, and like, you know, leave them in the dust and the chase would continue. I sort yeah. of appreciated that they, this was an instance where they did sort of subvert my expectations. Like, nope, Janeway blasted them. <laughs> a few things came up on the Twitter space last night that I thought was kind of interesting and funny is is like, sure, sure. Yes, Janeway knows the protostar really well. She helped develop it, I guess. Right. But like there's like a, there's kids on this ship and you're shooting a torpedo at, at the ship, which like, yeah, OK, maybe like it's a low yield or something like that. But, you know, it could have gone terribly wrong, as did with the Grissom and blown up the ship. So she could have blown up six children. Could she have like, though? Like, I don't I don't know. I don't think we know enough about like Starfleet torpedoes. Like, I, I, I assume that I assume with their technology, it's not that hard to be like, OK, I with 
with great certainty i can disable this nacelle knowing it's not gonna she did seem very ship. certain she was not she was not nervous at all so i will Correct. give you that i think that like yeah it's not like the writers forgot about about that because they have the diviner being like, wait, my True. daughter's on that ship. I guess Janeway's just that badass because it's too risky mm. for me. I wouldn't shoot. I, I wouldn't have shot I've that. I've noticed torpedo. this trend that has has existed ever since the 90s, but uh, people <laughs> people really love to criticize Janeway. Like, ah. I'm not a big Voyager fan or anything. I think it's I think it's a good show. I like every Star Trek show, but, it, you know, it's not one of my top five favorites. But I, I still you're saying that I wouldn't have been as critical of Kirk is what you're saying i just think in, I just think in general like that's the culture i noticed like that's the culture yeah i, I noticed right, that, maybe uh, maybe a little the, subconscious some sort of uh, not, not, you know not to direct this at you uh so hill but like a little subconscious well it came up in our twitter spaces it's misogyny and patriarchy yeah where we're just like <laughs> right. oh yeah if kirk does that we're like ah oh, kirk bold and confident he knows what's up uh janeway did it uh you know that's a little risky uh was she being careful or not? I've, I've just I've I've observed over the decades that the Star Trek captains that get the most criticism are Captain Janeway and Captain Burnham. So. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. It is true. I have observed that too. But I will just say that I personally was just ner it was not a critique. It was just me expressing my nervousness. Sure. Because I wouldn't have made that move. Like that's that's a bold ass move right there. And it's also like as as we we, we were talking about like weapons kind of change in their functionality and design sometimes a yeah, that's a good point sometimes a photon torpedo can just be devastating and sometimes it goes through the ship's hole and just like exits like a full metal jacket bullet <laughs> <laughs> i think it would have been way cooler if uh the vice admiral would have implemented the prefix code because it might not have been changed and just disabled the ship and then taken the you can only do that out. if you have hailing frequencies open though <laughs> oh duh <laughs> that's true you, have, you right. have to actually have established reception on the other ship yeah you have to transmit the, the pre prefix yeah. code damn this show this episode of text track is really good <laughs> <laughs> we're getting on debates here yeah I yeah no, we, found some, we found some fun stuff to, to talk about absolutely <laughs> well let's get into the uh the neutral zone and talk about that ending can i just say one one more thing uh real quick about the previous scene though um with uh janeway and the diviner and all that stuff beautifully edited like set like the, the back and forth between the two ships and everything like that it felt like a like i was on pins and needles during that scene um when i first saw it and 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 i was like really nervous about what was going on well it's been building all this time we know just how effective yeah. janeway is we know these are just kids and that they don't right. but that also that their ship could potentially wreck everything so yeah it's like well it finally came to a head and you're like something probably bad is gonna happen there's almost no way it doesn't uh, as it happens, the kids kind of they didn't escape quite escape, but they they if this was Dukes of Hazard, <laughs> they found an <laughs> old dirt road to, that's <laughs> full of canyons and uh, and uh, and dangerous uh, little valleys that uh, they, they turned down and where we will follow them. <laughs> You get a bridge clap for that reference. That was nice. That was cool. Well, Father, he mentioned the Duke boys earlier, so uh, when, uh, it's true. When well, Dal, I, I, uh... I used it as a verb. You know, when, yeah. whenever whenever you jump something in a ground vehicle, you can say you Duke of Hazard it, right? <laughs> it's true. You could, yeah, it's true. Yeah. I apologize for, for anyone who is I don't know under thirty or forty who is like, what isn't that that show with the Confederate flag racists? But anyway, I'm going to bring us back to the episode and ask Dan Kiefer's question from the audience. Is this the first eye patch in Trek since General Chang? What, what else? I, I feel like that can't be the case, but I, I who's, who's the other? Who else do we have? Uh, wasn't there a, a Klingon with an eye patch in Lower Decks just 
not that long ago. General Martok. Well, before, no, before Martok didn't oh. have an eye patch. He just has a missing eye. Oh, you're right. He was just I but just put that in wasn't there. there when, a, yeah, wasn't right. there a Klingon in, in season one, the one in Envoys? Uh, I don't know. I, I I'm sure there's been plenty of uh, one-eyed characters in Star Trek. Well, and Jean-Luc Not Picard, uh, eye patch. <laughs> Jean-Luc Picard wore an eye patch in uh, on uh, Cloud. Uh, if in, you're just doing in, eye patches, uh, then... Stardust City Rag. Yeah. Stardust City Rag. Yeah, exactly. But uh, but I think uh, Dan Kiefer is probably asking about people who. Wear an eye, eye patch habitually, not as a disguise. By the way, do we know? Do we know how O'Connor lost his eye? I, f- I forget no, if we know how, that. How would we no, know? We like they haven't. He's just like barely. You come just back. infer like, it. You can kind of tell. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's true. <laughs> no, um, I'd like to hear that story. Uh, we, I bet. I bet we might learn it next episode. Maybe even. Oh, that'd be maybe. cool. It's true. Outrageous. It's got to be an outrageous way that he lost his eye. I liked seeing Tysus have this moment with Janeway when he talks her out of going into the Romulan neutral zone for a couple of reasons. But one, I continue to say he's like the the new Tuvok. You know, we, we all know like Tuvok was Janeway's right hand man. He was mm-hmm. working with her before Voyager. He was uh, reporting to her when he was just a security dude going undercover to infiltrate the Maquis. And so it, it makes sense that she would kind of replace that dude in her life with like another guy who's uh, very, very vigilant and kind of cold, but also very loyal. So I like I like Tysus. He's very much like the young Tuvok. I did Father, too. I just had an interesting an interesting idea here. Uh, so Kirk and crew stuck with each other for like 20 whatever odd years in service 25 right? like, years yeah yeah with a few exceptions kirk went off and did his admiral thing for a bit so he had a, a similar journey i guess to picard and and janeway uh but he came back to his crew i guess is what i'm saying but we're gonna see picard come back to his original not his original crew but his i guess our favorite crew um and now janeway's away from her crew i wonder if prodigy will show us cameos not just from chakotay which we've already seen but other uh members of her former right crew. tom or to see that. Yeah. yeah yeah they yeah, any of them balana paris on that uh instagram thing if you check out those uh captain or i'm sorry those admiral oh, yeah, janeway check, logs on instagram uh, that are actually written by aaron walkie uh, i need to watch those that, uh, but balana helped design the dauntless Right. Oh, I did know that from I have. I yeah, yeah. By the way, Father, to jump back to what you said about uh, Commander Tysus, uh, I also really like David Diggs's voice. So he's uh, he he's he's definitely an asset to the show, and I, I yeah. like his character too. Yeah, and he's he's a musician. He's a singer. Uh, he has like some some really weird experimental rap music that I encourage people to check out if you're into that kind of thing. But uh, yeah, his his uh, performance is good. I love that they were talking about peace talks with the Romulans. There's there's two possibilities there. It's either like post Nemesis stuff or it's pre uh, Romulan supernova stuff, and they're already kind of starting to talk about you know evacuations and stuff, and the Romulans being like, well, you know, we don't want to tell our people uh, how how weak we are that we're about to get hit by this nova, so we're trying to keep it under wraps, but also like, can you still please kind of help us? But we don't want it. We're too proud to, like ask you for help. So there's some some awkward conversations to be had between the Federation and the Romulans on that stuff. Uh, so I liked that being brought up and the, the, this is probably kind of trivial, but to me, I thought it was an important detail that one thing I've always noticed in Star Trek with alien makeup is that the eyes, if, if you're someone who has like a weird skin color, like an Orion or an Endorian or something, and there's something kind of weird, uh, you know, with, with your skin color, I, I think like around like the eyes, just for makeup purposes, they kind of have a hard time like coloring that or like sometimes it'll make like the the outside of your eyes look really red or something. Like I noticed that a lot on like the Cardassians. If you're watching Deep Space Nine, look, look at like Garrick or Dukat's eyes. You see like a lot of like redness around there. And it doesn't make any sense for 
an Endorian to have like redness around their eyes because you know they they have blue blood. Like, shouldn't everything just you know be blue? But I like I like that you can see like some red veins on his eyes and stuff. And it looks it looks like how they do Endorians in live action with the makeup. And I just I just love that the CGI matches that instead of matching what would probably be more more functional and realistic. I don't know. To me, it just kind of helps marry it all together and makes makes it feel more Star Trek. Yeah, his eye area looks uh, kind of purplish red. I wonder if Andorians are the opposite of humans where they're oxygenated. Blood uh, is blood blue. Is blue. Yeah. And their uh, deoxygenated blood is red. Yeah, could be. I thought I thought that too. If nothing mm. else, it, it, it shows like a nice level of detail that the animators and character designers are thinking of where, you know, our, basically our skins aren't just one sort of, you know, flat mm-hmm. hue. There's, you know, you know, cheek blushes and, you know, darkness around our eyes sometimes and any number of other things. And that, you know, aliens will have variations on their own skin tones for those same types of things. Well, I laughed out loud at the part of us where uh, Okana's like, hey, let's just go into the neutral zone. And Hollow Janeway's like, that's a terrible idea. You'll start a war. You can't go in there. And then Jacob says, why not? It's neutral. It says it in the name. <laughs> that, got a, that got a out loud chuckle from me. You know, that's good that's because hilarious. like kids listening for the first time, that's that is a weird it's an unusual term that, you know, that they're not going to yeah. know from their daily lives. We, we can't go to the neutral zone. Why? Like, that sounds like Switzerland. That sounds like the, yeah, like the most like, conflict free place to be. Is that what's been updated in modern uh, terminology as a DMZ, a demilitarized zone or whatever? I don't know about updated to modern terminology like that's a, that's a term that goes back to the 50s to the korean war right oh that's true so yeah i wonder but is a neutral zone something that exists in warfare because i've only heard of D- I, D- I have never heard the term neutral zone outside of star except trek. in star trek so maybe they riffed on demilitarized zone to make it original but they had that's a, they cool. had a like dmz that. in star trek with the cardassian oh order they did until they had like that, oh yeah you're that right that's where i remember hearing new it, treaty yeah. that displace the indians again it it might kind of make sense for them to use more sort of a real world reference like that because it kind of grounds it makes it a little more gritty whereas yeah maybe in 60s trek they were like let's use something analogous let's the term neutral zone sounds cool and sci-fi ish Mm. also in ds9 don't we realize oh there's people that live in these neutral zones too right there's like certain sometimes there's like uh, a dis like a dispute when when a territory is one like these kind of zones or well yeah they they came up with that because they were about to do Star Trek Voyager and they wanted to have an origin for the Maquis. So they explored the Maquis in both DS9 and Next Generation to right. set up Voyager. The neutral zones can get gerrymandered. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, we, we end with the uh, the arrival of some some warbirds and we get a, uh, I think this is a first for Star Trek, but a, a black woman Romulan commander uh, Commander mm. Kaseth on a warbird. And when I saw this, I thought of our friend Giraffe from Strange New Pod, who happens to be a uh, black woman who loves to cosplay as a Romulan commander. So it's like, oh, look, there is a, a perfect character for Giraffe to cosplay. Right on. Yeah, very cool. And there's an interesting new feature uh, that we see on the shoulder there. Like, a, what are those called again? Epaulets. Um, uh, Epaulets. Like. No, uh, I was just like, thank God you're not wearing those ridiculous shoulder pads from the next generation because I, I hate that uniform. I, I, I don't want to see it ever again outside of lower decks. It's perfect for lower decks and not great for anything else. And I love in Deep Space Nine when they made fun of it. The, the, the colors and the design and stuff I was broadly okay with. Those shoulder pads are quite the relic of the 80s, I guess. <laughs> yeah. 
I do think it's cool. Uh, I've I'd gotten used to the Romulans post uh, the supernova, so I'm I think it's cool to kind of revisit. I keep forgetting that like uh, Prodigy and and Lower Decks are kind of prequels to Picard, so because they feel like the universe that I think of as the present, you know, the part of the time period that I think of as the present where the action is happening the most in Star Trek, at least because I used to follow the you know that era, the TNG kind of era, right? Uh, so it was funny to see not funny but it was it was a cool moment to see a romulan and and warbirds and like uh, the romulan star empire in other words which disappears later on yeah we can still uh explore stories of them back when they were in their their height of their power or at least still you know like a major superpower in the galaxy and i'm hoping they become a player in prodigy even if it's not like just like a reoccurring player because Mm -hmm. it would be cool to see some of the events that led up to the supernova and maybe see what the the you know the things were going yeah and, and aaron has teased that you know i don't know how much we'll see from the romulan perspective but i think we might see the the synth attack on mars from the perspective right. of these kids, because timeline wise, I think that's only like a, a year away from where we are currently. I think that that's supposed to be in, in April of eighty uh, five. And we're currently in in twenty three eighty four. So, yeah, it would it would be pretty easy to show that it would it'd be kind of devastating if like they finally like you get into the Federation or something. And then like that happens. I don't know. Maybe they help like evacuate Mars or maybe like they help with the Romulans or something. But the Romulans are a big iconic part of, of the Star Trek universe. So I'm glad that, you know, if Prodigy is this entry point into Star Trek. You know, we've we've met a Ferengi. We encountered the Borg. Now we're going to uh, show you what the Romulan Empire is. So I, I, I really dig that aspect of the show. It's like, and I guess we're going to get big time Romulan stuff next episode. So, uh, yeah, cool. and, and that's another thing Aaron told us last week. I asked him, like, are, are we going to see some Romulans? And he said, you will definitely see some Romulans. I didn't know it was going to be this soon. <laughs> You know, I didn't know <laughs> yeah. that it was like oh, literally like the next episode I watch is, is going to have Romulans, yeah. but here they Secretly, are. Secretly, Aaron was like, yes, little do they so. know they're right there. They're cloaked. They're in the room with you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and, and then our, our friend, uh, the other Aaron, Aaron Harvey, who uh, wanted, wanted to be with us today, but couldn't make it. But he's in the uh, live audience as Geek Filter. Uh, he's saying uh, they might think they were responsible given their weapon. And this, yeah, that's another thing is like. Uh, you know, if this weapon is supposed to make Starfleet, you know, turn on itself and attack itself, mm. uh, you know, I don't think they're the ones that will be responsible for the the synths going crazy. But yeah, maybe they they'll be like, oh my yeah. god, did we do this? <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> like That's like right. the Steve Urkel from Family Matters, like, uh, did I do that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I used to do a really good impression of Steve Urkel when I was a teenager. Oh, uh, I think everyone thought they did a good one. <laughs> <laughs> back in the 90s i don't know how many were actually good. i'm sure yours was great but yeah I, don't... <laughs> I only do one impression that's almost perfect which is the grand nagus you do <laughs> that's a very good nagus <laughs> that's the only one that i do that's really good All right. well, uh, uh, whenever y'all are uh i don't know if y'all have any final thoughts on this episode whenever whenever we're done and ready for the gorn eggs i would like to hear grand nagus zek ask for the ask me to present the gorn eggs but before that like, <laughs> oh, dave any any final thoughts on this uh, you know, I don't think so, uh, but I am, I am very hyped for the next episode. I'm ready to go ahead and tune into it despite some, some reservations about this uh, episode. But, uh, you know, again, that second viewing kind of got me back on board and now I'm in that want to know what happens next mode. Very cool. I, I'm in that same mode. I want to, you know, Okana, Okana seems to have some history with, with the, uh, Romulans, you know, he knew how to remodulate the shields and everything. So, mm. but I will just say that like this conversation was really fun. Uh, I, you know, like 
love gathering with y'all on uh friday nights uh even if it's in the chat just to hear uh and de- like kind of deconstruct and talk about these episodes so uh thanks yeah, always <laughs> but, end up and now father <laughs> oh sorry <laughs> go ahead dave go ahead dave no i was just, I, I was just gonna say <laughs> that's a pretty good Vegas, though. That really is. Um, wait, no, wait, I, 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 I like I like to get this the little the different perspectives and sort of uh, retool the episode in my head. Think about it from from uh, y'all's perspective. So, um, uh, what I'm saying yeah. is, good job, everybody. Wow, we must be really cool. <laughs> and the chat too. You guys are cool too. You guys, uh, funny jokes, new perspectives as well, challenging things. And now, Fozzie, if you'll just go ahead and pull off those gorn eggs, we can get going. <laughs> Well, very well, Nagus. Uh, so th- this is the Gorneggs section. Make it so. <laughs> There's a make it so in the Gorneggs. But I guess this, yes, this is the uh, part of the show where I like to talk about the Easter eggs, in-jokes, and continuity connections I thought were worth bringing up. Uh, starting off with, of course, the outrageous Okana, who first appeared in the Next Generation episode. The outrageous Okana. And they not only did they bring him back, but they also brought back his ship, the Erstwhile. I, I had forgotten the ship was actually named until I was yeah. like, oh, is that the same ship? And then, yeah, in the episode, he actually calls it the, the erstwhile. So uh, I, I'm kind of uh, surprised that he kept the same ship for 20 years because it didn't seem, you know, it kind of seems like a, to quote the other Star franchise, a hunk of junk. But uh, yeah, I guess he's he's fond of it, even though it can only go warp four. Or that's all he can afford right now. <laughs> Also, why do you guys think of the Earthwell as a junk? Or she looks beautiful to okay. me. I, don't well, know. I guess cool. beauty's in the eye of the beholder. <laughs> it's true. I like the HD upgrade. Actually, the, she looks pretty here. I mean, like, true. yeah, the original model is cool, but like, this is kind of a cool. It sort of looks grungy. You know, it looks a little bit more yeah. very um, industrial. Yeah, and they are, you know, uh, you know, they are using similar kind of framing techniques that you would see on the Millennium Falcon. Just it's the other way around. We're seeing the aft instead of the fore. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's cool. I like that. The Zindi who showed up, I mentioned that the last time we saw them wasn't, well, the only time we ever saw them was in Star Trek Enterprise, but then they still have like the same wardrobe of like the black rubber suits with like the gold ribbing on the shoulders. So they haven't, haven't upgraded their wardrobe in 200 years, but I, I think these That's guys are just look. like, so they, they were so grumpy because they're cold blooded reptiles and they're on an ice planet. So <laughs> the contraband that Okana was smuggling, uh, those are uh, obviously some type of Ferengi technology. When we first saw those uh, Ferengi there orbs in the battle when one was used to mind control Captain Picard, make him think he was reliving his stargazer days. But yeah, they, they used that prop a lot on like uh, the Ferengi ships or in the Ferengi shuttles. So I think it's just kind of a uh, computer display, maybe, or some type of like interactive console. Uh, but yeah, for... I don't know. I don't know how I got in my head that the original prop, that prop, was like something that that Ferengi had bought. So I I totally didn't associate it. He could have bought it. Technology. But it's, uh... No, but like I, I imagine it was like someone else's technology. But but you're right. We see it a lot. So yeah. like, yeah, you're right. It's like, yeah. That's what Ferengi <laughs> used. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When Dal does have his, his one-on-one conversation with uh, Janeway, uh, we get some of that uh, Voyager music playing. So uh, Nami Melamud doing a great job with the score Super, on Prodigy yeah. as always. But we, we get some Romulan music too later when the, the Warbirds show up. And she used some of that mm-hmm. Romulan music because she does the score for Strange New Worlds as well. And she used some of that in that Strange yeah. New Worlds finale. We had the, the Romulan music brought back there. So uh, that was all cool. And she also borrows a line from Star Trek Picard. She talks about, you know, in Starfleet, you make it so. 
So, uh, and <laughs> not only that, but she calls Tysus number one. So it's like everyone, yeah, just, does, everyone calls yeah. their first officers number one in modern Star Trek. It used to just kind of be a Picard only thing, not counting like the Pike in the cage and then Picard on TNG, but no one else did it. But now everyone does, but that's okay. It's catchy. I like the idea that Jean-Luc just like caught on to that from like reading Pike's logs or whatever and decided to implement it for uh for Riker or for his for all exos. for all his yeah all his first officers yeah, he, exos, he does that exos, yeah. and even his dog after he retires he does it with his dog that's right uh, but I like <laughs> that he's like one. such a navy man I know he's not in the navy but like he's such a navy man he still kept like the naval traditions <laughs> right you know, Starfleet man I guess but and then uh of course uh Dave was thrilled to see his uh D Derek Warbird uh show up at the uh the end of the episode so that makes it sound like I'm the Easter egg fathery <laughs> I'm like <laughs> it's Dave what was what was what was the episode they first showed up in in TNG? Uh, the neutral zone. Uh, oh, yeah. Because it was TNG, <laughs> the and the episode titles were very unoriginal. But that's true. <laughs> the neutral zone. That's true. <laughs> what was the episode I was talking about uh, earlier with uh, where that Ferengi made Picard reenact that battle? What's the name of that episode? <laughs> that's that's the battle. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> like, like yeah, that's so funny fathery uh what is the do, you, do we know the title of next week's episode yet uh yes we know the titles of all the episodes oh okay that's right i do know that uh, we do know that <laughs> I, I just forgot what is the next week's title uh, i should look at my notes because i wrote it down it's masquerade masquerade oh, that's a romulan paper faces on parade <laughs> masquerade <laughs> so looking forward to seeing that I, i'd also would love to see what people thought of this episode of crossroads you know before we get to masquerade let's talk about crossroads let, let us know what you thought you can reply on twitter for now until twitter uh, self-destructs but I, I have tweets there you can reply <laughs> to you can you can sound off on the text trek facebook page and the text trek discord server you can comment on youtube if that's how you're listening to us uh but yeah we love to get those subspace transmissions in fact dave has some from last Ooh. week's episode, uh, all the Are world's a stage. I am, I am. Star <laughs> oh, nice. Boy. Yeah, we don't not, we, we don't have a ton this week, but uh, uh, last week we discussed uh, episode thirteen of uh, uh, Prodigy, all the world's a stage. This is the one where the Prodigy crew visited an alien um, uh, alien planet uh, where they patterned their lives after sort of hearsay of Kirk and uh, and and his crew. So first, uh, first from a Twitter comment from Who, What, When, Where, Why. Um, oh, I, I mixed that up a little bit, but that's the ballpark. Um, uh, who asked, uh, who said, Prodigy's been good all along, but this episode by itself made the whole endeavor worthwhile. And indeed, Starfleet Boy, uh, who, uh, though with us this week, was not, uh, was not there in person last week, but said, this episode is my favorite of the series so far, and it's the one I'm, uh, and it is one I'm pretty fascinated with for numerous reasons, but most especially for its connections to the 23rd century, and specifically the legends of that day. So yeah, big big deep dive into TOS and yeah, uh, loving loving some some loving fun poking <laughs> and a big tribute to one of your favorite characters, Starfleet Boy, your your space husband Garavik. My deceased. Uh, now I know he died. <laughs> so like my deceased space husband. I Man, that was so happy that must have been a, a whirlwind romance, uh, <laughs> uh, Starfleet Boy, because he had what just one episode. <laughs> he loves Garavik like you love uh, Tasha Yar's sister. <laughs> Yeah, uh, well, that's true. Okay, I understand it now. <laughs> now you understand. Um, <laughs> that's awesome. Starfleet is giving me 
his pension until I die. So it's pretty cool. I get like a little credit. I don't have to use it as long as I live on Earth. But, you know, if I happen to go to like free cloud or something, I got some spending money. Oh, that's really great. (laughs) I'm happy for you. (laughs) Most of the comments that we got were were pretty were pretty happy with this episode. But let's see. I do want to throw in a little uh, criticism here that Sean O'Sullivan had. Uh, He he did say that he loved most of it, but he also thought it was a, a lazy art direction that all the uniforms are patched together the same way and that the characters look too similar uh, just little criticism in there on the visuals and uh one thing was I, it, I thought was interesting was it lazy art direction or was it hardcore tailors that just wanted to make <laughs> I, think, I think it was the uh, the limitation of, of animation and the reuse animation, of the same yeah. models yeah, but when i when i uh, write a comic book miniseries about it one day i'm going to make it a big deep cultural thing that they have to have very exacting standards to their to their uh, tailoring <laughs> uh, no, I want to give the final comment here to uh, from our YouTube comments to opinions no one cares about. Who noticed that Murph didn't get sick until the living construct first activated? Just saying. Obviously, we know he wasn't just sick; he was he was transforming. But uh, is it possible that there was any influence of the living construct? Well, could be. I don't know. Uh, only time will tell. Yeah, that's all I got. Nice cool. comment. Yeah, thank you, everyone who uh, gave us some feedback. But yeah, uh, we're gonna have a lot of fun. I think talking about the rest of the story when we get to next week's episode uh masquerade so they they like ending every every five episodes i guess we get like the two-parter right because like the uh episodes four and five were a two-parter episodes nine and ten were a two-parter and now episodes 14 and 15 are a two two-parter so i I, i'm guessing the same thing will be true for oh we know it'll be true because we, we know the names of all the episodes for the rest of the season the last two are called supernova part one and supernova part two so 19 okay. and 20 are going to be the same thing so yeah every every five episodes of prodigy we get we get this two-part story i, I see your formula mm. i see what y'all are doing <laughs> but yeah we'll talk about masquerade next week and until then as always live long and prosper y'all Listen to the Text Trek podcast through Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or at text-trek.com. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash text-trek. And follow Fathery on Twitter at txtrek. Please support us by liking our videos and subscribing to our channel on YouTube. Thank you and take care.